When you hear about brothers or sisters imprisoned for their faith in a far-off country, do you resign yourself and think, well, there's nothing I could do? Ambassador Sam Brownback says your letters on behalf of prisoners are way more powerful than you realize. I think people underestimate their ability to impact. And don't just kind of throw it away saying it's just useless because it's not. What if she gets out or there be others that may have it better or not get arrested in the first place because they saw how many people advocated for her? It has an impact and, uh, and don't give up. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We have a very special guest this week, the U.S. Ambassador at Large for International Religious Freedom, Sam Brownback, is with us. Ambassador Brownback is formerly the governor of Kansas. He is also formerly a senator from the state of Kansas, and he is a longtime advocate for international religious freedom and for persecuted Christians around the world. Ambassador Brownback, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Pleasure to join you, and it was a really enjoyed last year when I stopped by your headquarters in Oklahoma. I was going down to a conference, and I saw that you were close by, and I came in. Really impressed with the facility and the, the heart of the people working on this topic. I've taken your publication over the years and seen it, and uh, you really have been ahead of your time. There's a lot of people interested in religious freedom now, but you guys were there and have been there for a long time and do a fabulous job. Well, thank you very much. It's, it's our honor to serve persecuted Christians around the world. How did religious freedom become such an important personal issue for you, something that you were really passionate about? Yeah, I started hearing about cases. Voice of the Martyr published a number of them, but I had a, a staff member, Sharon Pate, who came on board. She did nothing but religious freedom work, and she would tell me about these cases of people being in jail around the world, the persecution they had faced, people being martyred. And it just really riled me. I, I just was going, this is terrible. This shouldn't take place. And we can do something about it. I was in the U.S. Senate at the time, and we just started uh, advocating for different individuals around the world. And I can remember the joy. Times I'd be back in Kansas, uh, Sharon would give me a call saying, hey, such and such got released from prison. And I just, I just had a joy about, good, good. We, we kept this person alive, and they're free. I just really continued to dig into the work because of the, the ability to be able to help somebody else that might just stay in a prison or, or be killed otherwise. Are there any of those stories, what I would call success stories, where you really felt like, hey, we made a difference in this case? Are, are there some of those that kind of stick out in your memory? You know, the one that actually sticks out the most was a young man from North Korea I'd worked on the North Korean Human Rights Act. Carrie did. I had advocated uh, for people in North Korea. There's a lot of people in the gulag, the prison camps there still. Christians are treated really extraordinarily bad there. The, the stories are incredible in darkness. Well, the, last year I was in the Senate. There was a young man from North Korea staying in the condo complex that I was in, and he was here studying English 
because of that bill, the North Korean Human Rights Act, that allowed him to stay in the United States, a bill that I'd carried. And I thought, wow, here's a real practical thing that somebody's life is different because of the advocacy for a person that, that didn't have an advocate. And then later, I, actually this happened this year, a guy from North Korea said he was there in North Korea when he heard about these bills circulating about North Korea. And he, the, the rumors started going through the villages about, hey, somebody cares. They're, they're actually paying attention to us. Something might happen. And they couldn't believe it. Uh, and then they see that some things happen and things are different. And just giving that hope and faith to people uh, it was an extraordinary joy. It's amazing what a difference that hope makes in, in the lives of, of persecuted believers around the world. On the other side of the coin from success stories, are there some uh, maybe what I would call failure stories, sometimes where you really tried to help, you tried to make a difference, and it just it didn't work out that way? Well, to date, it's Pastor uh, Andrew Brunson in Turkey, where a lot of people, from the president throughout the country, have advocated for him to be released because he's just, he's in on false charges, he's being held as a political pawn, and he's still in a Turkish prison. And that one just rankles me because it, it shouldn't be happening. It's a NATO ally of ours that's holding him. We're not going to quit until he's released, but you, to date you're looking at this going, this man is being unjustly imprisoned. And we had uh, Andrew Brunson's daughter, Jacqueline, here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio talking about her dad, talking about the case. I know you were in Turkey for the first day of his trial, along with one of his senators from North Carolina. Was that kind of a symbol that, hey, the American government, we're, we're paying attention to this? We take this very seriously? It was. And I also I met with Turkish officials the next day to tell them, uh, you can release him on house arrest. You could put an ankle bracelet on him so that he's not moving without you knowing it. And you need to get him out of the prison. And they just denied it. Not going to do it. If he was charged with the same things and on the same flimsy evidence that they have there, he'd be out in five minutes in this country. It's just such a ridiculous thing that he's having to suffer for. The family's been fantastic. They're asking people to pray for him and to pray for Turkey, for the, the people in Turkey, which I urge as well. But it is wrong what is happening to him. How does your personal faith motivate and influence the work that you do on behalf of religious freedom? Well, you, you, you feel the chains that are on somebody else. It rubs against your own skin. That's what it does for me. It just, it just irritates me. It, I, I get angry at times, and then I think, well, the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. But uh, I should get motivated, and I, I, I uh, and am motivated to pursue this for everybody, regardless of their faith or no faith at all. If they're being held in prison because of their beliefs, that's wrong. The, the, the pursuit of God, as whatever one person sees it, is an individual right that should not be infringed upon by any government or outside group. This is an individual's right given to them by God. And the, the freedom of conscience I believe it's the highest right that the individual has, and it, and it shouldn't be infringed upon by anybody else. That individual has that right solely themselves, and it's from God. 
and a lot of the other rights grow out of that one. So it is, like you say, it's very foundational. What's a typical day? And I almost hesitate to ask that because I'm not sure you have a typical day, but but what's a typical day like for the ambassador at large for international religious freedom? Yeah, it. It's, I haven't seen one yet, uh, <laughs> I guess. I, I, it just really varies a lot. Last night I spoke to the Faith and Law Institute about people getting in the battle, and the battle for um, religious freedom. I'll speak tomorrow morning at a prayer breakfast. I meet regularly with uh, individuals. I'll meet with the Ukrainian Minister of Parliament today that's interested in what's taking place in the Ukraine. We had the Vietnam uh, Human Rights Dialogue uh, last week. I've traveled to uh, Bangladesh to meet with Rohingyas and refugee camps and was at Pastor Brunson's uh, trial, as you mentioned, been with the president uh, and the president of Uzbekistan talking about their push for religious freedom in Uzbekistan and our working with them. We advocate on a lot of individual cases along with countries, and then we push it uh, within the government here, talking with people in various agencies about what they can do to expand religious freedom. And we've got a very dedicated uh, staff here and, and people that are really behind this effort and believe in the cause. So you don't get bored, it sounds like. No, there hadn't been a shortage of things to do. You know, when you're looking at it saying, wow, there's just so much, there's so much persecution in the world, you can kind of get down and wonder, well, is this, you know, are, are we getting anywhere here? But what if we weren't pushing at all what would be happening on the closing of things down? And I honestly believe that there is starting to be a global understanding of the importance of religious freedom, the importance of it in security measures. If, if you want a more secure country and less terrorism, provide more religious freedom, and that's now in the scientific data point. If you want to grow your economy, provide for more religious freedom so you can get people freely thinking and engaging, and you'll have a more healthy, growing economy, and that's in the data so I, I think as we spread the thing more out from just being this fundamental right, which I think is critically important and should be done in and of itself there, but you can get more governments interested and you say, you want more security, give more religious freedom. You want more economic growth, give more religious freedom. So you meet people where they are and, and seeing that as a utility for their own people can help expand this right. Are there some countries that you think are are going the wrong direction on religious freedom? I know, you know, we talk about persecution all the time here at Voice of the Martyrs, but are are there some countries that you look at and think, wow, they're they're actually getting worse instead of better? Pakistan, it's really been lamentable. Uh, the slide there, Turkey, now with what's taking place there, and this is a NATO ally. China, going the wrong way on how they're treating. A number of different uh, faiths, but particularly the the uh, Uyghurs, Muslim Uyghurs, and the Tibetans, but the Christians as well in many parts of China. Uh, Russia has been sliding the wrong way. Unfortunately, there are a number of cases around the world where just countries just just moving the wrong wrong way. One of them I'm getting more reports about of people being persecuted is India. And a lot of times it's it's at a local level, but I'm just I'm hearing more and more comments and stories and specific cases of problems in India. As are we under the leadership of Prime Minister Modi, the the religious freedom picture has gotten worse. 
I know we've talked a little bit earlier about North Korea, and uh, we have something coming up. Uh, maybe we're, we're hearing now questions. Maybe it won't happen. Maybe it will. But do you know if when President Trump meets with Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, will persecuted Christians be any part of that conversation? They already are. The three people that the Secretary of State brought back, uh, a couple of them were people of faith. They were there helping the North Korean people and teaching uh, and then arrested. So this, this will be a part of the discussion. Why is it important that religious freedom is a part of our U.S. foreign policy? I mean, you are the representative of the United States government to talk to other nations about religious freedom. Why is that such an important issue? It's foundational, uh, is why. If, if we want more human rights around the world, and we believe in it, and the U.S. is the flag bearer for human rights globally. I mean, other people will talk about it. There's sometimes, once in a while, other people will deny it. The Chinese have been. But we're the flag bearer on it. And if, if we want more human rights around the world, this is at the core. And you've got to remember, too, most of the people in the world live their daily lives centered around their faith. This is what's the animating piece of their life. They, of course, do other things. And they provide for their families, and they do whatever things else in work. But the, the, the piece that centers their life is their faith. And uh, this, this is foundational for them to be free. Uh, and if we're going to stand for freedom, uh, this is at the core of it. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Sam Brownback. He is the U.S. Ambassador at Large for International Religious Freedom. Ambassador Brownback, what, what's the importance of NGOs like the Voice of the Martyrs working on this issue of religious freedom around the world? For us, a lot of times, they're kind of the early warning system. Uh, we'll hear from NGOs, religious groups, uh, about what's happening in a particular country, had a guy uh, end our Religious Freedom Roundtable, which is done every Tuesday at 11 o'clock. Comes in, he's from Nigeria, and that morning, 17 people had been killed outside of his church in his hometown in Nigeria. Wow. And he breaks down and cries in front of people, which you would. And then he hands me a certificate, kind of like a Sunday school completion certificate that a lot of people have seen. And it was charred and burned around the edges because the church had been burned. And this was something that came out of the um, out of the rubble. I mean, here's texture and story and early warning. And uh, the next week, President Trump was meeting with the president from Nigeria, and one of the top things they talked about was persecution of Christians in Nigeria and the number that were getting killed. And I'm planning a trip to Nigeria soon to push for religious freedom and for protection of people of faith. Yeah, which is so important, especially in the northern part of that country. We talked about countries where maybe things are getting worse. Are there some countries that you would point to as success stories, places where you know the U.S. influence or pressure has really produced positive results in the area of religious freedom? Well, I, I think the U.S. has really created something of a global atmosphere that this is a fundamental human right. Whatever the government may think of people's individual human rights, this is one of them. And so it's, it's like, okay, we, we get it. There was a lot more overt actions, I think, by governments 20 years ago that they just slammed people with, uh, on religious 
grounds because they didn't want them. They, they saw them as a challenge to the regime that it could be overthrown by this religious group. Uh, but it's still taking place in some places, though it's, it's more subtle. Now, I mentioned that Uzbekistan is a place that they've released a number of religious prisoners recently and are, are, um, have passed resolutions now to fully embrace religious freedom. Now, we've got to see the details and the actions uh, taking place. But I, I think there's some real opportunity and hope uh, in those areas. I've been meeting with a number of officials from the Balkans, and there's still big problems in those areas. But there were wars going on on this issue, these issues, 20 years ago. Now it's still simmering, but you don't have as much of the hot activity. There's still desecrations taking place and mobs. But I, I think compared to 20 years ago, you're in a better position. When you sit down with a, a foreign leader and start talking about religious liberty in their country, how Christians are treated or how some other religious minority is treated, is their response, yeah, we need to work on that? Or is it kind of mind your own business? Or what What kind of response do you get when you say, listen, you've got to change how these people are treated? It's interesting because one thing that's really good about it is nobody denies that this is a fundamental right. They don't sit there and say, well, we just disagree with your premise uh, <laughs> that, that religious freedom is a basic human right. I have not had anybody say that yet. Now, maybe they believe it. They haven't articulated it. Normally, the response is you know, kind of one of two places. Right? One's either defensive, saying, hey, we don't think you are looking at this situation appropriately. Here's the facts as we see it. This is, you've presented it a different way, and we think you're wrong and we're right, factually. Or the second way, a uh, number of times, they'll say, well, okay, let us look into that. I see what you're talking about, and uh, we'll consider what you're saying. Those are the basic two responses I normally get interesting that they do see it as a fundamental issue, and yet in some of these countries they have anti-conversion laws that say you can't change your religion from something to something else. So it's interesting how they how they play that conversation. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, they'll have blasphemy laws that really mm-hmm. get misused, uh, and people get, you know, really killed by mobs based on a blasphemy law that you're going with. You shouldn't have a blasphemy law in the first place. You shouldn't have an apostasy law in the first place. These are, these are governments interfering with this basic human right that you have the right to do with your own soul what you see fit. And yet, you know, you still have those laws existing in many countries around the world. And I think, you know, you say blasphemy law, immediately I think of Pakistan and Asia Bibi. We have heard reports that her appeal before the Supreme Court is actually going to take place sometime soon. The, the Chief Justice said soon, whatever that means. Do you have any additional information about how that will progress or if soon really means in the next few months or, or what? Yeah, I, I don't have anything else I can say on that case, other than uh, keep talking about it. Uh, by, by people talking about it, giving people a name, a voice, a, a face, it puts those governments on notice, even though they're, they're half a world away, that we know you have this person, and it's on false charges, and we're watching. 
It, it really is important to give them a name. And I'm so glad you said that, particularly as we talk about Asya Bibi, because the Voice of the Martyrs held a petition drive uh, and delivered literally hundreds of thousands of signatures to the Pakistani embassy in Washington, D.C. on behalf of Asya Bibi. That connects directly to my next question. Our listeners are American citizens. Many of them will never go to Pakistan. They'll never go to Bangladesh. How can they make a difference uh, for persecuted Christians in places around the world, even while being an American citizen and and not getting on an airplane? First thing you can do is pray. Really, uh, just the the targeted prayer. I remember uh, somebody asked, Mother Teresa years ago, how did, how did they do so much? And she said, you know, we pray. And I, that's just the first thing people can do. The second is once they, they, they do that, then what motivation do they feel? You know, you can, you can write a letter to these embassies, and you may think, you know, look, what good's that going to do? And the, the embassy may act like well, we don't care that you had these thousands of petitions, but they will forward them on back to Islamabad. There will be people that will see, and they'll look out of the corner of their eye and say, well, it's a bunch of American citizens, but they'll also know, well, America's been a big ally of ours. We do get aid from the United States, and, and we like investment coming from the United States, and we don't want to just hack them off gratuitously. Let's be a little more careful on this. So I, I think people underestimate their ability to impact, and and don't just kind of throw it away saying it's just, uh, useless because it's not. What if she gets out, or there be others that may have it better or not get arrested in the first place because they saw how many people advocated for her? It has an impact, and uh, and don't give up. I appreciate that encouragement for our listeners, and I I like that you started with prayer. The last question I have for you, and where we try to leave off every week here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, is equipping people to pray. Uh, so how can our listeners pray for you and pray for the staff uh, in the State Department that is working on this issue of religious freedom? You Really, for, for wisdom and discernment of what things to do and where to place the um, effort and the focus for favor within the government, uh, that these issues would gain traction and utility, that you know, we would we'd really lead with the topics of human rights and dealing with other countries and governments. Just finally, really, just in general, that the religious freedom, the gates for religious freedom would fly open around the world, that people would really see this as the fundamental right, and that these gates for religious freedom would just fly open. Amen. I join in in that call to prayer, and I think you know, we can be led in our prayers every night watching the news. As as the news talks about North Korea, we can pray for Christians in North Korea. We can pray for that country. Uh, we see a lot of news about the Middle East. There's a lot of countries there that need our prayers. So thank you for helping us, equipping us. And I think thank you also for the reminder that it matters. It matters what I do here in Oklahoma. It really can make a difference for Christians around the world. Ambassador Sam Brownback, thank you for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you for your work in Washington, D.C. around the issue of religious freedom on behalf of our brothers and sisters. And uh, next time you're back home in Kansas, know that you're always welcome 20 miles south of the border in Bartlesville. I appreciate that. God bless you all.
you're just joining us and you missed any of our conversation with Ambassador Brownback, you can hear it in its entirety at vomradio.net. He's been telling us about the power of your letter to affect situations around the world. And maybe you're thinking, well, hey, I'd love to make a difference, but where do I start? The Voice of the Martyrs can help you to get involved when you visit PrisonerAlert.com, you'll see a list of current prisoners for Christ, and you'll have an opportunity to write letters to them in their language, as well as writing to government officials on their behalf. Again, go to PrisonerAlert.com, or we'll give you a direct link when you visit us at our website, vomradio.net. Again, vomradio.net. Next week, Scott Brauner is going to be with us, and we're going to talk about how to balance the need for wise decisions about safety and security with the biblical call to take the gospel to every nation. How do we think about when those things come into conflict? You'll want to be a part of that conversation, so be back with us next week right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.